You're listening to 12:32, an audio epic produced by Rumblestump Entertainment. 12:32, Chapter 4. The hierarchy at Black Dagger started with Boss Kellum and the Eclipse team a close second. They had the run of the place when they weren't on assignment, and not a single one of them had a clean criminal record. Lewis, Rona's recruiter, and Boss Kellum's right hand, had christened her Army Barbie. He gave everyone a nickname, usually ones that only he liked. Lewis was Irish by birth and had been a soldier in his native land since he was 15, suffering in Dublin in the 80s during civil unrest. He had made enough enemies, however, to need fresh territory. But his highly valued expertise soon found him a home in the private security market. Ruthless as a common outlaw, this made him exactly the sort of man Kellum needed. Kellum could turn a blind eye to Lewis and get results without having so much on his conscience. But Lewis was a shrewd man and knew his limits. Secure in his knowledge of outrunning the law, Lewis was not above being sacrificed if Kellum felt the need. But to trap Lewis, was trickier than even Kellum knew. The failed Columbian mission had been a success for him. Rona's jewel heist would pad his pockets, and losing Rogers gave him a perfect scapegoat. The team never questioned him. It was easy to convince them that stealing the documents was part of the assignment. He planned to sell the intelligence to the highest bidder. It was perfect for corporate blackmail. Lewis could build his own island empire somewhere off the Gulf if the deal went just right. If Army Barbie had not hung herself by snatching that bracelet, they might have caught him red-handed. He needed a diversion now more than ever since Black Dagger was under investigation. Lewis raised his gun and fired two shots, moved three paces, two more shots step and pivot, two shots and so forth, until every target in the course was sporting two holes in the chest. The lilting tune he was singing echoed between gunfire and the indoor range. He turned and spread his arms, pistol in one hand and his ear protection in the other, singing. For Clarence was, he really was that wild colonial boy. He ended it in a fit of laughter as he walked back behind the shield to watch the next man shoot. Other personnel were gearing up for their turn. Taff had finished and was leaving. Ah, Taffy, me boy. And how are you today, laddie? I shot him all clean through the hearts. Make no mistake. It's a great ending to a great day, my lad. Lewis joyfully dug two fingers into his tobacco pouch. What's a top dog so happy about today? Another Eclipse member hollered across the range. I'm thanking me lucky stars that women are gullible creatures. Even such a one as our own army Barbie. Lewis replied with his characteristic bark. There was a murmur of laughter. Taff was unaware of these recent developments, and he didn't want to guess. He never trusted a man that talked peacefully, but acted violently. You know, that woman might have gotten away clean and clear. Lewis directed his words to Taff, lowering his voice. She could have just laid low until this all blows over. Ah, but she's a fine, obedient little lassie she is. 
to think I can order her to come back to be arrested. Oh, to see her face when they place the blame on her pretty head. Lewis was enjoying his smoke, watching, hands on his hips, as another man took a turn at the pistol course. Taff was interested. He could see Lewis was in rare high spirits, and he knew he wouldn't agree with whatever was making him happy. He ventured a question, hoping it would not make Lewis suspicious of him. What are you talking about? Though Taff was actually Welsh, he had tried to even out his accent so people could understand him. His accent was thick and difficult for the average American to make heads or tails of. <laughs> well now, aren't you being a little nosier than usual? <laughs> well, there's no harm in you knowing. They'll all know soon enough. It seems our dear little Rona has made one too many enemies in high places. Kellum's gonna hang somebody for the FBI vultures to pick on, and I'm thinking it'll be her. Seems she's made enemies out of the boss and the dear old U.S. government. And between them, they'll make a feast of her. That is, if Kellum can't keep him from chewing him up first. He tossed the remaining end of his rollie and loaded another magazine. Taff remained expressionless. He couldn't imagine what the rookie did to get her in deep enough trouble to fall out from Black Dagger's legal umbrella. They shielded their employees' civil indiscretions with red tape for being loyal. It worked for him and countless others if they were good enough to get into Eclipse. There was a catch to it, though. Committing crimes that violated treaties was the Eclipse's M.O., but if caught, they would be convicted as terrorists and locked up for life. If any Eclipse member caused an alarm or threw suspicion on Black Dagger, Callum would blackmail them with the dirt he had on them. Well, that seems arbitrary, Commander. Why her? Taff asked, trying not to act too interested as he reached for his range bag and fiddled with the zipper. He dared not look Lewis in the eye. There was no great love between them. Why not, Taffy boy? Why not? <laughs> Lewis walked away, chuckling, leaving Taff to simmer. Taffy was a nickname Lewis had given him in the beginning. Lewis gave derogatory nicknames to his men to emphasize his dominance, but he had the most fun calling a Welshman Taffy. Taff, in no position to fight back, thought it better to have an ill-fitting nickname than the truth. He shouldered his bag and stepped out into the late afternoon sun. Walking across the compound, he looked like every other off-duty Black Dagger employee. Gray t-shirt, camo fatigues, combat boots and shades. Taff never slouched, he never trudged, and no matter how tired he was, he always addressed people formally. This set him apart from the others. Black Dagger was all Taff knew since his arrival, except for Pastor Reuben, who miraculously crossed his path several months ago. Taff had become psychotic, a ruthless, calculating, top-notch mercenary to Black Dagger, but a broken man to Pastor Reuben. One night, Taff tried to commit suicide. He was audacious, and his fearlessness protected him. But the problem of his unexplainable past, paired with the deep pain of loss, left him wishing for a terminal end. The despair of never seeing his family again sent him in a downward spiral. Reuben found him in the desert next to the church and coaxed him back to where Taft finally listened to what he had always heard. God offers second chances. After that night, 
Reuben was relentless. He met with Taff and taught him the Bible. Over time, Reuben had earned Taff's absolute trust. Taff told him everything, even his true identity and the supernatural circumstances that brought him here. Taff made calling Reuben a regular nightly practice. And right now, he went to do just that. He had questions that needed answering. During their hour-long conversation, Taff let off a bit of steam. Afterwards, he sat at the table over his open Bible and a copy of St. Augustine's Confessions. He mumbled the words aloud as he read. Wearily, he stood and rubbed his hands over his face. I need to know if it's possible, Lord. Grant me a sign. I cannot remain here under the hand of Black Dagger and follow you. Lord, if you desire me to return home, I pray you, give me hope. I must act soon. Show me the path. He took a deep breath and stepped out the open door. He had decided, after his conversion, that if his family was still alive, he would praise Christ. And if they weren't and evil had befallen them, he would still praise Christ. Knowing in his heart that anger and despair never brought back what was lost. Only the promises of God had rung true. He would see them after death. We're going to take just a minute to hear from our awesome sponsors who make this show possible. Then we'll get back to the show. This episode of 1232 is sponsored in part by Oasis Family Media and its family of companies including Oasis Audio, Enclave Publishing, and Sky Turtle Press. Publishers of the forthcoming epic Edmund Spencer's The Fairy Queen, rendered in modern prose by Rebecca K. Reynolds and illustrated by Justin Girard. For more information, visit fairyqueen.com. That's fairyqueen.com. Or find the link in the description below. Hello, 1232 listeners. This is Callie Sue, and I'm excited to tell you about Dramafy, the ultimate platform for creators and fans of audio dramas. With oodles of genres, hundreds of shows, and thousands of episodes, Dramafy is your go-to streaming service exclusively for family-friendly audio dramas. Whether you're a devoted listener or a creator of a family-friendly masterpiece, Dramafy has something for you. And guess what, 1232 listeners? You can now enjoy 1232 on Dramafy. Just go to dramafy.com forward slash 1232. That's D-R-A-M-A-F-Y dot com slash 1232 and get started for free. Happy listening. Young and old adventurers alike should know the importance of preventing new injuries and healing old ones. That's why 1232 is sponsored by Alpha and Omega Chiropractic, serving Ruidoso, New Mexico and the surrounding area. Whether you're seeking treatment for a new or reoccurring pain or are interested in preventative care, they are ready to work with you towards a healthier and happier you. Visit alphaandomegachiropractic.com for more information and schedule an appointment today. That's alphaandomegachiropractic.com. And now, back to the show. The desert air was tingling with coolness, revealing the full force of the stars. Their tender light reflected across the grounds in a blue glow that highlighted the tin roofs and car windshields. It was never quiet in the complex. They trained 24 hours a day, But tonight, the noise was different. 
FBI and Border Patrol agents had arrived that morning and were still investigating Black Dagger. Taff noticed a burly silhouette coming toward him across the gravel. Lewis didn't make it a habit to be in the complex at night. Taff figured the inquiry had forced him to stay. Taffy, I want you in my office in the morning. Bring whatever you're wanting to take with you. We're sending you home on short notice. Seems the federal government over here doesn't look too kindly on foreign mercenaries like you and me. <laughs> it's bad news for Army Barbie, too, I'm afraid. She's in for a real scuffle if she makes it here. Lewis sounded as casual as if he were just commenting on the weather. He paused, waiting for an answer. Yes, sir. Don't pack too heavily now, Welshman. No guarantee you'll be traveling as a free man. But don't worry. I'm sure your good looks will get you where you're going to need. <laughs> he turned his head to spit before he stepped up to Taff, putting them nose to nose. And don't you try anything like sneaking out and running for the border. He leaned in closer. Boss might catch you if you do, but I'll kill you. Lewis chuckled as he backed away. Taff turned, but he heard Lewis say the last word. And tank the Barbie for the funds she donated to my cause. If it hadn't been for her habit of stealing, we all might be a going to federal prison. <laughs> there wasn't much time to sort out Rona's involvement. Taff knew he had to leave before morning. Lord, if this is your answer, I hope you know you are using up all the faith I have. Taff quietly gathered his gilt-edge Bible, his pistol, and some other gear into a pack. He flipped off the light and slid his knife into his belt. It would be two more hours before he would leave unnoticed. Taff looked about the empty room, then through the window. He knew they would watch his door, but he had a plan. He went outside, leaving his door open like he always did, and headed straight to Rona's room two doors down. He acted casual, but he didn't fail to notice two men talking under the overhang to his left. No one normally hung out there. He hesitated to reach for the knob, knowing how it would look for him to try a locked door. Thankfully, the knob turned freely, and he stepped inside, closing the door behind him. Relieved, he only had to wait for the watchman to change shifts. Instead of watching out the window, Taff sat on the floor, leaning against the wall. Forgiveness had reshaped his entire life. Now, to him, people like Rona and Lewis provoke compassion. Rona, especially. He couldn't hold their mistakes against them either, because Christ had forgiven him for much more. He had no right to judge. He was merely a forgiven criminal himself. Taft's life had been tough, to put it mildly. Solitude and peace was all he ever wanted. The beast inside that craved revenge motivated everything he did since his arrival. But that was then. He laid his head back against the wall and studied the ceiling. Someone had stuck glow-in-the-dark stars all over it. They made him smile despite himself. Memories suddenly flooded his mind, crushing his heart. The past would sometimes come to him so vividly, like a vision. He could see his wife, Alice, standing in the field holding his horse and talking about how the sheep would need bringing in or how they needed to have his brother help them with the shearing. She had tried to reconcile the two of them, but in vain. Taft's face twisted from the pang of grief that seized him. 
his brother might never know he had forgiven him. Taff couldn't live with that. Of all the possibilities, there had to be one that led him back to make it right between them. His brother deserved another chance. Lord, do not abandon me in my distress. I lift my hands to you and trust myself to your will. Oh, God. Rona's landline startled Taff out of prayer. He sat still and listened while it rang. There was the sound of muffled footsteps outside. To keep up the charade, he picked up the phone. So whoever was listening had no reason to suspect anything was out of the ordinary. He quickly crossed the room before the machine kicked on. Yes? His deep voice sounded brittle in a whisper. Who is this? And what are you doing in my room? It was an irate Rona on the other end of the line. This is tough, Rona. Listen, you are in trouble. Where are you now? He realized his voice betrayed his concern. But it was no time to hesitate. Taff, what are you doing answering my phone? How do you know about the money? I didn't tell you anything. What is going on? Rona, please listen to me. The government is here with many questions. He paused when he connected Lewis's comments with the money she had just mentioned. But that was of little importance right now. And you seem to have become the most interesting subject. I advise you to stay out of sight. Where are you now? I'm traveling. You think I'm going to tell you? Wait a minute. Did Lewis tell Boss Kellum? Talk straight or hang up and let me call and get my messages. Rona was put out, but she sounded more tired than anything else. Taff collected his thoughts. At any moment, an unwelcome guest could walk through the door. Rona Lewis said your stealing habit had brought him good fortune. That's all I know. But you need to be careful. I do not know why they singled you out, but you are not safe in the open. Rona Black Dagger has had to make concessions to the government, which means some of us are to turn ourselves in and be deported. You seem to be the center of the problem. Don't come back here. Rona interrupted him with a string of unsavory words. Ugh! I knew someone was following us. Okay, so if I want to get out of the country, I'll need to get to Mexico, get false documentation. Oh man, this is bad. I don't have a dime, a taff, I have no cash. Where do I go? Rona panicked thinking of prison. She would rather be blown to pieces than handcuffed and pinned up. She couldn't remain calm facing that possibility and it showed in the tone of her voice. Easy, Rona. Do your best not to draw attention to yourself. If you are close to here, I know a place you will be safe. I will wait for you to call this number. He gave her the number of Reuben's church. When I hear from you, I will guide you there. If you're not nearby, then I pray you will find safety. He swallowed hard, knowing her chances of escaping were slim to none without God's help. Why are you running? What did you do? Rona's question was more of a reaction than a genuine inquiry. There's nowhere they can deport me to. Taff answered, realizing he was just as desperate for asylum as she was. Okay, uh, what's that number again? Taff gave it to her. I'm hanging up. Thanks for the tip. The phone clicked. Taff checked the window. It was time to leave. Once through the window, he crept along the wall until he reached the guardhouse. He tossed his pack over the chain-link fence and dug a hole in the sand big enough to crawl under. Crouching and running along a bar ditch, he snuck out into the dark desert. 
You've been listening to episode 4 of 1232, produced by Rumble Stump Entertainment. Written by Callie Sue and Cheyenne Bell. Narrated by Callie Sue. Today's voice talents include Robin Cage as Rona Thatcher, Matt Burke as Taff, and Sid Goodlow as Commander Lewis. Episode 4 was mixed and engineered by Jet Black, with original music composed by Callie Sue and Jet Black with Rumble Stump Entertainment. Edited by Casey Caballero, Caballero Sounds. Mastered by Zach Bryant, Nine Mastering. This episode was made possible by our generous and incredible backers through Kickstarter. You know who you are. To our knights, our bards, our Welsh bowmen, our wizards, and our chieftains. Thank you. Continue the adventure in episode 5.